Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Futures Focus podcast, courtesy of Prospects 1500. I am your host, Alex Sanchez. I'm joined here today with my co-host, David Gasper. David, who is your favorite Brewers player of all time? Man, that, that, that's a tough question. There, there's so many, uh, so many players to choose from, um, but you know, I'm, I think I'm going to have to go with. Uh, my current guy, Corbin Burns, like it, it's just, I, I've been on the Cy Young hype train for him. Um, just really nasty stuff. Great pitcher, uh, great dude. And yeah, I, I just, I'm just gonna have to go with Corbin Burns for right now. That's an acceptable answer. That's a cool answer too. He's, he's a newer player. Um, we were looking for Ryan Braun though, or <laughs> those were the correct answers. No. Oh, <laughs> okay. Him. I love those two guys, but uh, interesting choice. Anyway, welcome everybody. Again, we have a great podcast for you. I'm not going to lie. This is probably going to be my favorite podcast that we ever do because (laughs) we're going to talk about the Padres and we're going to talk about my actual favorite major league team, the Braves as well. So you got my two absolute favorite organizations and I get to talk about both of them today. We have Jake Barry on to talk about his Braves and we of course have myself to talk about the Padres. So it's going to be a fun, fun episode. David, are you ready to go? I'm ready. Perfect. All right, we're going to get started right after the news and notes. News and notes. We have a pretty minor week in terms of prospect news. This probably will happen during this time of year. When we get towards the middle of the season, I would hope we'd have a little bit more. But uh, some of the things that came across my desk here was former Uber prospect Hunter Green is getting his velocity back, which is quite a big deal because that's 100 miles per hour plus as a starter. So do we uh, like Hunter Green still? He's gone down a lot in terms of the fantasy industry. But um, I think this might bring him back up because that was the big appeal for him in the first place. What do you think about Hunter Green? Yeah, I think it's certainly good for him that, that his velocity is coming back. I mean, huge potential, huge upside. You know, he underwent Tommy John surgery. So, you know, there's always really kind of concerns with him and how he's going to come back. And, you know, we'll really kind of see how he performs in 2021 to really kind of know if he's like totally back. Uh, but with the reports that the velocity is going to be there, you know, perhaps he he does come back to where he was before, or maybe even better than he was before, and and that could really uh, jump him back up the the prospect list and, and really improve his uh, potential, his fantasy potential, his on field potential going forward. Uh, so that's very good news, very encouraging news for the Reds. 
Absolutely. He has a huge, huge ceiling. So it's great to see him come back after that. He's, he's a guy you want to make it in more in terms of like just for the good of the game, because he would be really exciting to watch pitch on the big stage. Our second news item here is Tyler Soderstrom, a, a uh, athletics catching prospect that was just drafted in 2020, uh, received a big league invite. And now I'm not going to give you every big league invite that comes across our way here, but we're talking about a high school catcher that was drafted last year already getting a big league invite. So this caught my eye. I think that they're pretty high on him. I'm looking at the depth chart. Of course, they have Sean Murphy at catcher right now, but the backups are nothing to write home about. Are we seeing Soderstrom sooner than we could have ever imagined? Possibly. I mean, Oakland is not a not very deep. Um, Oakland's really kind of lost a lot in terms of you know minor leaguers that they had to cut, and you know they're they're losing a lot of their big league depth and free agency, not being able to sign anyone. Uh, just losing Marcus Semien the other day, and you know, it, it's really interesting because high school catchers are normally one of the slowest uh, to develop prospects. And, you know, he's getting close to right there. The The bat is pretty good from what I've heard. Um, so as long as the bat can play, you know, maybe they'll just kind of deal with whatever and, you know, just, just kind of develop the rest on the fly. But as long as the bat is good, then, you know, maybe, maybe there's a chance. But, I mean, he's... He's not, I don't think he's going to be getting a, a backup job in 2021 here. He's still going to have, you know, some time in the minors, but, you know, he could be on a, on a relative fast track there in, in Oakland because they're going to need bats and, and they're going to need a lot of them. And they're losing a couple this off season. They're going to need as many as they can as soon as they can. So, you know, perhaps they put them on the fast track. Yeah, exactly what I wanted to mention, too, was high school catchers usually take a long time. So in terms of uh, fantasy dynasty leagues, getting somebody that, uh, you know, is ahead of schedule with that sort of potential first round pick is something to keep your eye on. We also had two, uh, I would classify them as minor trades. Maybe a few years ago, it would have been a major trade. But the first was the Pittsburgh Pirates trading Jamison Tyon to the New York Yankees in exchange for three prospects. Uh, Michael Escado, Ronzi Contreras, and Cannon Smith. Um, they were ranked number 10. Michael Escado is ranked number, I'm um, sorry, number nine on our Prospects 1500 list done by the uh, ever great Paul Wooden. He also had Contreras at number 19 and Cannon Smith at number 17. So, what do you think about that trade? On the surface, I feel like it's a pretty good deal for Pittsburgh, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I like that deal for Pittsburgh. You know, they, they got a couple of really good potential prospects there. I'm I'm a pretty uh, big fan of Kane and Smith there. I mean, big hit tool. Uh, got a little bit of a, a power speed combination there a little bit. Had 11 home runs uh, in A ball in 2019 with 16 stolen bases. So, you know, he's got a little bit of a, a extra potential there. Uh, but really good bat, really good hitter. Uh, should get on base a lot. Uh, as an outfielder, and pretty much those outfield jabs are going to be uh, up for grabs out there in Pittsburgh, uh, especially with uh, more recent reports that Adam Frazier might be the the next pirate to get traded. So, you know, th- there could be there could be some opportunities for him uh, in the near future. And Ronzi Contreras, there, I mean, he's also a guy that uh, is pretty interesting. Got, got a big fastball, 
Um, but you know, there's you know a chance that he just kind of ends up a little bit more as a as a reliever. Um, it, you know, just kind of needs a command to you know improve a little bit more. But you know, there there there's reliever risk with him. But there's also a lot of people that, that think that he could end up being a starter um, and have that kind of upside. So just kind of needing to see a little bit more from him to see what his long-term role might be. But he does carry some reliever risk. Yeah, and I didn't know much about Michael Escoto, but reading kind of what Paul Wooden was writing about on his top list here, uh, definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, really good velocity off of the bat. Um, he's obviously very young at 18 years old, and he plays a premium position up the middle. So somebody that is probably very inexpensive to acquire in Dynasty Leagues and is worth uh, taking a look. So um, also, you know, we should mention Tyon a little bit coming off of the surgery, of course. Missed 2020, missed most of 2019. He was pretty darn good in 2018 with a 3.20 ERA, 179 strikeouts and 191 innings. So if he can return to form, I'm sure the Yankees are going to take this deal. Well, it's just a, a big question mark in terms of his health. The other pitcher that was traded was the New York Mets lefty Stephen Matz. He was traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. Their prospects Coming back to the Mets, a little less exciting, but still worth mentioning. Sean Reed Foley, Yenzi Diaz, and Josh Winkowski. Uh, the highest one ranked there was Winkowski at number 23. Um, he looked interesting based on the list that our Craig Bracken did. And I do remember Sean Reed Foley as a top prospect a few years ago. His stock has obviously fallen quite a bit. But, you know, it's Steven Matz, so we can't really expect. But any thoughts on the deal there? Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting um, for Steven Matz. I mean, the Mets got back essentially three reliever-type uh, prospects. Winkowski probably has the best chance to stick in a rotation. Um, he's got, you know, three pitches. got a pretty good slider, uh, prototypical size, six foot four, 202 pounds. Um, so, you know, he could end up being a, n- a number four, number five type starter, um, but he's also got reliever risk. Um, Yenzi Diaz is likely going to be a reliever. Reed Foley is is already a reliever. So, you know, maybe not, you know, too much in terms of fantasy value coming back uh, in this trade. But Winkowski is probably going to be the, the most likely of the bunch to to stick in the rotation. Not sure if you looked it up or not, but you want to take a guess at what Steven Matz's ERA was in 2020? Um, four and a half. It was 9.68. Yikes. Six, that was six games, way off. <laughs> six games started. Um, in 2019, 4.21. That was closer to kind of what you think he, he is. Uh, already, you know, turning 30. But, you know, Toronto desperately needs some pitching. So to give up, like you said, potentially three relievers and none of them are guaranteed to make it for a guy that they could put at the back end or even as a swing man. He might be a good swing man in that bullpen. Pretty good for the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays had quite a week, quite a week. They, uh, of course, signed Springer. Um, they're looking pretty darn good in the East. Um, but that's going to do it for our news and notes. Are we, uh, I think we're ready to jump into the San Diego Padres 
uh, top yeah. 50 prospects, and we're going to do the good old switcheroo. I'm going to let you take over the host powers, and uh, I'll be your guest. How does that sound? Sounds great. Let's do Beautiful. it. All right. We'll be back in a minute to go over our go Padres. All right, it is time for the San Diego Padres Top 50 Prospects list, and we have the author of that list, Alex Sanchez, my co-host, uh, to go over it. And this, this is a uh, system that, you know, Alex, it really kind of must have been tough for you to continue to come up with this list because throughout this offseason, uh, the Padres have been trading their prospects left and right, and, and it's been a deep system, uh, but a lot of names uh, probably had to come off your list in the days uh, ahead of you publishing uh, your top 50. So what, what's your kind of characterization of uh, where the system is at? Is it still incredibly deep or or is it a little bit shallower? Well, I think it was tough is perhaps the wrong word, but heartbreaking is the word that I've been going with uh, to all of my, all the people <laughs> I can talk to the system about because it was a very deep system. So it wasn't necessarily hard finding guys to, to put back into the top 50, but it was so heartbreaking to see some of these names go. And especially right before my list was due to be published, the, the Hudson Head trade, you know, that just mm-hmm. killed me because at least we always had him. And so I was always somewhat happy. But when we look over this, we had over 20 top 50 prospects traded within a year. So... I'd never seen anything like that. And granted, I haven't been in this industry forever, but you know, in the last four or five years, I haven't seen a system just completely torn apart like that. So luckily, like I said earlier, it is a deep system. So we have some guys stepping up, some guys that I never thought would ever make the top 10 in my list or like top 10 guys now. And I'm actually pretty okay with it. But yeah, it was it was very sad to see these guys go. I understand it, but uh, you know I'm not a Padres fan in terms of their big league club, so I hate all the trades that they did. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, getting Blake Snell has got to cost you something, you know. So yeah, it, it is kind of tough. But I mean, for the most part, the Padres kept uh, you know the core group at the top of their system. Uh, intact. They still have two guys that you have here in uh, tier one on your list. And uh, you actually gave the uh, number one spot to CJ Abrams. I know a lot of other places have Mackenzie Gore at number one, but you gave it to, to CJ Abrams. So it could just, just kind of go through, you know, what led you to, to putting CJ Abrams at the number one spot uh, on the Padres top 50. Yeah, I did this last year as well. I put Abrams ahead of Gore. Then it seemed a little bit more crazy. <laughs> Again, I'm doing it because of you know fantasy dynasty purposes. And these guys are really, really close. And so it gets to the point where it's, do you take the hitter or do you take the pitcher? And I'm just going to take the safer route. But fa- uh, you know, fast forward to 2021, all of a sudden, you know, Gore never made his debut. I got people yelling at me last year saying that he's going to take a little bit longer to debut. And people are like, no, he's going to be up right away. Well, joke's on them. I was right, although it took a pandemic <laughs> for me to be right. Uh, but we never got to saw him. And he did have a little bit of, I guess, a mechanical issues is what I was hearing. A little bit of the yips. Not, I mean, not to the point where we have to be concerned or anything. But he was able to fix that and become... Um, 
you know, who we think he is uh, towards the end of the summer. But with all of that being said, we cannot sleep on CJ Abrams. We're in terms of fantasy dynasty prospect, you're getting everything you could possibly want. And all we got from the reports from the camp were that he was even becoming stronger, looking leaner and adding more loft and power to his swing. So if he can get up to that 20 home run threshold, you're going to be getting 30 to 40 stolen bases. He has a great hit tool. He's going to be playing up the middle, second base, probably, I don't know exactly where he might even debut in the outfield at some point, but you're getting him at a premium position. And to me, he's just like a Jose Reyes with a little bit extra pop. And those guys are becoming a dying breed. And Jose Reyes during his time was a great fantasy prospect uh, or fantasy asset, I should say. But you know, there were others that also stole, you know, stole bases. Now we have very few guys that are stealing you 30 to 40 bases while also providing some power at a premium position. So that's why he's my number one. And again, in a real world list, if I was thinking about the most valuable piece in the system, I would probably put Gore ahead of CJ Abrams, but we are not a real life website. <laughs> we are a fantasy. So that's why Abrams gets the nod again in 2021. Yeah. And, and neither of those guys, the Padres are really inclined to deal for, for anyone. And, and you know, two really kind of crown jewels of, of a farm system and, yeah, you got Mackenzie Gore, you got number one starter upside, but with all the guys that the Padres have added, you know, he he might not even be more than a number five starter, you know, coming coming through. And that's a pretty good number five starter if, if you can get a guy like Mackenzie Gore to, to fill that role. But, I mean, with the additional Blake Snell, you got Clevenger that's going to be coming back. You know, there's a lot of uh, really strong arms, and Mackenzie Gore is really kind of the going to be the late one to the party, it seems. Absolutely, and you can't. I can't imagine a better upside number five starter. We know injuries happen. Um, it's not like you Darvish has been, you know, immune from injuries. We've, we've seen him get injured in the past. Um, Blake Snell scares me. I don't know why, but I feel like, you know, he's going to miss some starts at some point. So you, you can't do wrong having Gore as your fifth starter. I think we're going to see him up really, really quickly. He, you know, maybe a month at the most and he, he should be up and good to go. But again, one other thing I wanted to mention is like the fact that those names you're mentioning, they were able to get with basically dealing Luis Patino and Hudson Head were the two high profile prospects. They were able to keep these two just is amazing. I just can't understand how they were able to do that still. So it's definitely a bright future for this franchise. And Gore is going to to show a lot of people that, hey, he is probably the best left handed pitcher in the minors right now and and maybe in the big leagues in a few years you know yeah absolutely and you know they, they kept really kind of a, a core top four kind of um without you know trading any of them to to make all these big additions and you know some of these other big ones you know going down here into your tier two category as starting off with robert hassell the third i mean he was a you know big uh prospect coming into the draft uh, I remember this this past year, high school kid, you know, just just turned 19 years old, but you know, big hit tool um, from from the reports. What what can you say about uh, Robert Hassell the third coming in uh, at number three for you? He is a uh, interesting selection by the Padres. They had their choice of Zach Veen or Hassell, and they went with Hassell probably because of his hit tool. It's just a, it's really, really good already. 
if you get a chance, look at his swing. It's silky smooth. I really, really like it. He he reminds me of Bryce Harper in terms of like how oh. the swing plane is. Now it's not nearly as violent <laughs> as Bryce <laughs> Harper, but it, it, you know maybe he can get to that bat speed that he has at, at some point if he matures. But the swing itself is just really fundamentally sound. I don't see how he doesn't maintain a above average hit tool for his career. The question is going to be the speed that you know plays up in uh, in games. Will it show up in terms of stolen bases? I don't know yet. I I think he's pretty fast uh, in terms of on the bases. He's fast enough to stick in center. We know that probably um, at this point. But will the power come? That's the thing. Uh, we don't know yet. Um, we haven't seen him play professionally. But the Padres, as you'll, if you go down this list, you'll see a lot of guys that you know maybe don't have the power yet, but do have the hit tool. C.J. Abrams being a perfect example of that, and hoping that the power comes, whether it be a swing adjustment, whether it be they get to use the juice balls, and there's you know that's enough to get them a little bit more above average power. So. A lot to like with this kid. So we'll see uh, We'll see how he develops in, the, in terms of that strength. That's the big question there for him. And then, then you got a couple other guys um, following him on the list that really might be facing uh, roster and position crunches, Luis Campusano and Hassan Kim. Uh, Kevin Sano, I mean, you, you got Austin Nola, now Victor Caratini, now at the big league level for uh, the Padres. And Campusano is just, just about ready. He made his debut this past year. And then you got Haseon Kim, uh, who's coming in, probably going to be the second baseman, uh, considering you got Fernando Tatis Jr. at short and Manny Machado at third. So Kim's going to probably get most of the time at second base. Um, and, but, you know, you also got Jay Cronenworth and, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of other options uh, that, that could fill that position. And, you know, that's also the potential future position for C.J. Abrams, your number one guy. So, you know, what do you really kind of see as uh, the future value for, for these two guys, uh, given their uh, positions? Great point. Camposano, I, I had penciled in as the backup. You know, he made his debut. He didn't look lost up there. Um, but, you know, you got to get Darvish's personal catcher, I guess. So, you know, maybe they carry three at some point. I don't I don't think so. Um, if there was a DH involved, that might make things a little bit more interesting. I think he would slot really nicely into DH for them. Um, but yeah, he his future, though, in terms of dynasty, is, is pretty unparalleled in terms of catching prospects. Of course, you have Adley Rutschman at, at the top in kind of his own tier. But after that, I think Capizano really does lead the way for a, a, a hit first catcher, and that's exactly what he is. And then at second, you have Kim, the you know the KBO signing. He's interesting because he has speed power that he's shown. The hit tool is a little questionable. He never really hit for a high average in the in the Korean league, but he does have a, a, some good fantasy potential. I think at the you know in my mind, Jake Cronenworth earned a spot as an everyday player. I guess that's the the luxury of this team is that you know they don't have to start Cronenworth they could even still try to upgrade but in in my mind they might be platooning at second a lefty righty combo um, and Cronenworth of course can probably play some other positions as well so Kim's immediate upside is a little risky so in first year player drafts is where you're going to have to take him and I, I don't know it's, it depends if you're a win now type of club I think you, you maybe pull the trigger on him in the top I don't know, six, seven, eight picks. But if you're a rebuilding team, he's somebody that you might want to pass over. 
just because he has a lot of questions going forward. But again, it's it's a, a these are first world problems that the Padres are having. You know, who do we play at second base? The you know rookie of the year candidate Cronenworth or this international signee that has been a monster for the KBO. What a what a issue to have, huh? Yeah, great problem to have for for the Padres. A lot of really good talent there. Uh, and then just kind of moving on a little bit further down the list, you got Ryan Weathers at, at number six, left-handed pitcher. You know, he's a guy that I've liked for a while. Um, you know, he's got, you know, some pretty good stuff. Um, he's moved up over last year, moved up a couple of spots from your uh, 2020 rank. Uh, so what's really kind of the been, been changing here with Ryan Weathers? Everything's still trending up, looking good for him? Yeah, he had a big jump in velocity, and we saw that in the playoffs. He was hitting 95, 96, you know, at the big stage, which was shocking to me because he was sitting in the high 80s for a long time, and even then he was interesting. But if he is maintaining that velocity because his pitches, his other pitches are already really good, he becomes really, really, really interesting. And a lot of these guys, if you look, you know, they there were high risers because of, you know requirement <laughs> but <laughs> weathers would have been a high riser regardless of who was in the system I, I really think he made a big jump this year he is close to the big league level if not already assured a roster spot in the bullpen his stuff would play up he's going to be a starter in the long run i think so if he can maintain that velocity he is really really interesting and somebody that's going to be jumping up list everywhere uh, certainly good to hear for him. Uh, one other player I just kind of want to highlight here in your tier two. Um, and it's also partially just because of how fun his name is to say. Tucupita Marcano uh, coming in at number eight. Uh, what, what can you tell us about uh, Tucupita Marcano? Very similar to what we were talking about with the hit tool. This guy has it already. It's simply a question of is he going to de- develop some strength? Um, he's got a little bit of speed, even though it hasn't really shown up in terms of, you know, the fantasy stolen bases, but the hit tool is really nice. He's very, very young. He's advancing very well. He has a very high floor in terms of he's going to probably be a utility guy at some point with the ceiling to get even higher than that. If he adds some strength and develops a little bit in terms of that. But the thing I really like about him is the K rate. He just doesn't strike out. And for young players, that's that's something that I really, really like to emphasize when I do these rankings. So hopefully he can continue to add a little bit more oomph in the bat in terms of power. And we got something here. Yeah, uh, so he's certainly helped uh, moved up uh, the list. Uh, he was number 15 last year, and it helps when a lot of the guys are probably have them uh, got, got traded away. Uh, and then you got guys like Reggie Lawson made, made a big jump. Justin Lang. Uh, you know, a couple of you know guys jumping up there into the top ten, kind of finishing out uh, tier two. Uh, then we move on to tier three, and you got Jorge Ona, uh, the outfielder, uh, leading off tier three. Uh, what do you like about Ona? His proximity to the big leagues is what I like. He has some power as well. He's clearly ready for the big leagues. He he had a pretty decent debut. He's not going to find much playing time. He's a perfect trade candidate where if he gets, you know, um, Edward Oliveras was a, a guy that was in the same position where he just didn't have a spot. He was big league ready. And then he got traded to the Royals. Uh, and while he didn't explode or anything, he held his own. And I think Ona is the 
exact same case where he just needs to get traded and then he is ready to go. Going to add some power. His defense is horrendous. It's not good. So I just don't know how he fits into the Padres' future plans, but he's somebody that uh, I, you know, they trade everybody. I'm surprised they haven't traded him yet, to be completely honest. So he's someone to keep in mind if he does get dealt. Yeah, there's who knows? The Padres could have a whole bunch more trades down the line. I mean, they, they still have a, a fairly strong farm system here. Um, got a couple of other guys here in tier three. Uh, Joshua Mears, um, another outfielder, kind of captured my attention a little bit. You know, he's another guy that's kind of made a jump up the list because a, a lot of other guys have been traded. Um, but there's some some big upside with Mears, isn't there? Absolutely. If the Chargers ever come back into town, he could play linebacker for them. <laughs> he is a <laughs> is a monster he's big he reminds me a lot of christian robinson for the diamondbacks um the skills and the tools are there it's the swing and miss that we have to see how that develops he's extremely young and for him to be that developed already is very very scary so huge ceiling but obviously a huge amount of risk for this guy too yeah like i said in my write-up here i didn't didn't think he'd be in the top 15 but here he is and uh he had a good Showing in the camp, too, so lots to like about him. A lot of risk, but huge, huge ceiling for Mears. Yeah, and there, there's another guy on here with a huge ceiling, but also a whole bunch of risk. Uh, Anderson Espinosa. I mean, he's a guy that it seems like he's been a top prospect for, like, forever. Then you never heard anything about him, and it's like, oh, yeah, he hasn't pitched in uh, four <laughs> years. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, um, but, you know, is, is there you know, finally positive news on the Anderson Espinosa front? Yeah, I, I I guess there is positive news in the fact that we're probably going to actually get to see him for the first time in a <laughs> long time. But anytime you have two Tommy John surgeries, it's always going to be a huge amount of risk. But he's a guy that this is the perfect time for a big bump because if he does take off, I don't want to be the guy that had him at number 34 when he has, you know, number two, number three, one potential really in his arm if uh, you can just somehow turn mm-hmm. injuries off so and he's only 22 which i i couldn't believe when i was going back and, and looking at him again he's he's still got a lot of time left so uh, don't sleep on him he's probably dirt cheap now and why not he's he's a he's a flyer for sure yeah g- gonna be very interesting i'm um, dealing with that uh um rotation trying to get into there uh, another name that really I think kind of sticks out, Mason Thompson uh, at number 17. You know, he's someone that it's kind of been in, in that same kind of boat. You know, dealing with uh, injuries getting in the way of uh, his future. Absolutely, he fits right in that same category. Huge potential, but just a lot of injuries have really slowed his production down. We'll see. I think he goes into the bullpen at some point and becomes, you know, to save that arm. And then the stuff plays up. You might have something there. So, again, these guys, if they can stay healthy, their upside's incredible. But they're just way more risky than an already, you know, risky position as a pitching pitching prospect. So you have to take that into consideration with the rankings here. But, yeah, I think a move for the pen would do wonders for Mr. Thompson. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to try and you know, move through a little bit quicker here through Tier 3. Just going to kind of give you a little bit of a... Rapid fire, because there's a whole bunch of uh, pitching prospects in here. Um, so I'm going to kind of ask for maybe a little like 
one or two sentence uh, quick little things about sure. uh, a couple a couple of these guys. Um, Before you do, the generic sentence applies for almost 90% of these guys. They're extremely young. They throw strikes and they're not huge ceilings. That's about the, <laughs> the number one intro, but go ahead. All right. Uh, Luis Gutierrez, the lefty. Yeah. So he's throwing hard for a 17-year-old from the left side, but a lot of room to grow and throw strikes. Another lefty here, Jagger Haynes. Very fun name. Yeah, his fun fact, his dad just followed me on Twitter, so that was really cool. Oh. But, uh, yeah, great name, 80-grade name. Uh, unknown with him. Haven't seen him too much in high school because of the pandemic. So intriguing potential. Uh, Pedro Avila. Really like him. Made his debut, got injured, probably back to where he was in 2019. Uh, Gabriel Morales, the lefty. Throws strikes, not huge ceiling, and young. Mm. Uh, Jordy Barley. Will look amazing. Yeah, another great name. Looks amazing one play, will look horrendous the next. All right. uh, Luarbert Arias. I hope I pronounced that right. Yes, from my knowledge, that sounds right. Um, Jack of all trades, but nothing stands out. All right. Um, one more here. Levi Thomas. Bulldog. Not a huge ceiling again, but somebody you want on your staff. All right. Always going to want guys like that on your staff. Bulldogs are just like my favorite types of pitchers. You know, yeah. like they're just so much fun to watch. Exactly. The fearlessness, even when you have you know, like your 91 mile per hour fastball and you're just trying to blow it by guys. You got to love it. Yeah. All right, then we're getting down into tier four here. Uh, you lead it off with Duanya Williams Sutton, uh, an outfielder. Uh, what, what do you like about about him? Is is he someone that could? I mean, he's 23. You know, he, he's only gotten to to low A to this point, but he, I mean, he probably would have been able to jump up a bit more had there been a minor league season in 2020. Uh, but but what do you like here with uh, Williams Sutton? He was a guy that was completely off my radar last year. Um, as I had to go and comb through the system here, he was somebody that stood out as a power speed combo, but his age is a little concerning already 23 at low a doesn't give you a lot of hope for the future, but he's a type of guy. If you're looking at prospects at this level, you know, in the thirties, forties, you want huge power speed potential. He's your guy. All right. Another guy. So I'm, I'm a WIAC guy, you know, I'm from Wisconsin. So, you know, the, I'm, I like the, the WIAC conference there. You got a former WIAC, gear, WIAC guy here at number 35, Lake Backer uh, from UW-Whitewater. Uh, you know, he was a, a fifth-round pick, I believe it was, uh, I, I think in 2016. You know, but, but he's a guy that um, has, has some potential. What, what do you like about Lake Backer? He is a reliable starting pitcher that is actually really close to the big leagues at this point. He is a guy that is going to fill in fine for you if you have some injuries. I don't know about, you know, the Padres, if this is a guy that they want making starts for him, but on a perhaps a more middle of the road team, he's a guy that you call up first or second to make some spot starts and you see how he does. He has, again, not a huge ceiling. That's, like I said, the, the motto of the pitching prospects for the Padres. But they're all, like, decent enough to make it. And that's worth something, especially at number 35 here. Yeah, and there's, there's one other um, young guy that's really uh, kind of 
caught my attention a little bit here in your tier four. Uh, Charlize uh, Aquino, 19-year-old shortstop um, from, from rookie ball there. W- what do you like and what can you tell us about Charlize Aquino? He is the uh, – I don't want to say it, but I, I, I probably am wrong here, but he might be the best <laughs> infielder in the system. He's brilliant, oh. which means he's staying at shortstop. And even if he doesn't hit, you know, he's still valuable in fantasy, uh, especially dynasty leagues. So he's somebody that you can, you know, he might just make the big leagues on the glove alone. And then, you know, you get those counting stats. So that's something there. Um, we'll have to see how the offense does. But there's a lot of time with him, only 19 years old. And he is fun to watch on the, the defensive side. I think there's a couple of YouTube videos. I should have probably put one on there. But he is he's silky smooth. Yeah, he he may end up being blocked a little bit by Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> at that shortstop position yeah. uh, for the next several years. But, uh, yeah, still some time for development for him. Now we're getting into uh, Tier 5, kind of your final 10 guys. What what are some guys that just kind of, you know, you like uh, like a lot here in your Tier 5 group that, that you're uh, favorites of? I think a guy that might help you this year is James Rivas. He was traded from the Yankees in the Greg Allen deal. He is big league ready. I'm not sure why he hasn't made the big leagues yet. He's 27. He strikes out a grip of guys and he's left-handed. So I don't know why he wouldn't have made the big leagues yet. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what they had plans for him. Obviously, you know, trading Greg Allen, who's, he's not a nobody and he's not a super asset or anything, but you know, they traded something for this guy. I think he probably makes the bullpen and for a team that's going to get a lot of wins, if you're in a, a holds league, he's somebody that you might get a, a bunch of holds for absolutely dirt cheap. So he's something that is very intriguing to me down here at this this low level. And then another guy was, again, the, the joy of finding new guys that I wasn't really uh, looking at last year is uh, Jake Sawinski. Huge power and um, a nice looking swing. He's somebody that might make a, a nice jump this year. I would have loved to see him in 2020 now that I, I know more about him. Unfortunately, of course, that was taken away from him. But um, he was making really, really nice progress and uh, still 22. He's in high A. He's further along than you might think. Let's see what he does in double A, hopefully, this year. And there's, there's one other guy here in this tier five that really kind of stood out to me. Uh, and, and that was number 50, Taylor Colway. <laughs> now, like I said before, I'm a big WIAC guy. Um, I was in the WIAC. I went to, to UW lacrosse and, you know, I, I was in the, the baseball program there and, and played with Taylor Colway. So I know him, um, you know, he's, he's a great guy and really a fantastic hitter. I mean, I, I remember, uh, our, our coaching staff there at UWL just talking about how, Basically, Colway was the best two-strike hitter any of them had ever seen. And a couple of guys on our, on our coaching staff did play professional baseball. Uh, so, and, and he was still the best two-strike hitter they had ever seen. Uh, he had a bunch of power in college. Didn't quite show up as much his first couple years here in the minors. Um, but you kind of took a little bit more of a, an unbiased look at Colway. And mm-hmm. uh, w- w- what did you see there? Yeah, I mean, you probably know him as a player better than I do. But again, the hit tool where the power is trying to emerge, I'm taking a gamble that it has emerged. His Australian Winter League was impressive. Five home runs and only 63 at-bats. You know, it's the Australian 
league. Who knows how that is, but you know, you can't accidentally hit five home runs. So if he can develop the power with everything else that you're mentioning, he definitely has a chance. He's already, you know, in triple A. So yeah, your guy, number 50. Yeah. And I mean, he hit, you know, basically around 300 there in, in double A, triple A. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the hit tool is there and, you know, it, it's kind of a deep position player group out there in, in San Diego. So it may be a little bit tough to crack the roster, especially as he's, you know, getting up there now to, to 26. But I mean, he's he's a triple A guy. And, you know, if there's, you know, injuries uh, or whatever that happens at, at the big league level, I mean, Colway could be, you know, one of the first to get called up and, and get an opportunity. So, you know, it's it just kind of shows just just the depth of the system. And I mean, you know, normally if the Padres weren't coming off of trading away 20 of their prospects, Colway wouldn't have come close to making this list. But, you know, it's still, you know, he's still a strong player and it's still a really, really strong group overall in the system. Absolutely. It's, you know, at the bottom, it's definitely weaker than it has been in the past. These guys that I'm talking about, they have a lot of flaws that perhaps somebody else that you know was in their spot last year didn't quite have but you know that's what you get with the system that's what you're supposed to do with it when you take a look at our top 50 lists the guys that actually make the big leagues are you know five to ten percent of those guys so why not trade them out for potential studs on the major league roster that you know are already established so i totally understand the thought process it's just you know i mean you have a 50 50 chance of being traded it seems right now for this team but, um, yeah, before we finish up, I did want to mention my one one last guy that we didn't go over, and that was the 2021 signee, Victor Acosta. He's somebody I'm already now wanting to move up even higher than 30. I think he might even, you know, jump into the, the teens. I really, really like that kid. Um, he has an awesome video. If you go to my the page on Prospects 1500, like, it's like we see videos from these signees and they're in the backyard and it's like done on a 2005 camera it's all grainy and stuff but he has like this professional looking video of him and it makes you like see the swag and it's you get a really good look at him so he's somebody that uh, is going to stick at short and is really really exciting and I already regret not moving him up because he's a switch hitter um, you know middle infielder type that that alone should put you probably into the team so he's somebody else I wanted to mention but yeah there you go yeah, I was just about to ask you if there's anyone else you wanted to uh, to mention before I wrapped up. So, uh, yeah, anyone else besides Victor Acosta there? No, I think we hit a lot of the guys. I feel bad because I feel uh, the Braves need an equal amount of time. I don't know if we can give it to them today, but I do like going over my list. I could talk about them all day. We definitely hit the guys that we need to. So hopefully that helps out everybody. But, yeah, check it out on prospects1500.com. All right, so that'll do it. Um, so Alex, they're going over his top 50 Padres uh, prospect list. And then uh, we'll be right back with uh, Alex and uh, Jake Barry uh, talking about the Braves' top 50 prospects. We are here to discuss the Atlanta Braves top 50 prospects and joining us now is the writer of the top 50 prospects for prospects1500.com, Jake Berry. Sir, how are you doing today? Alex, excited to be back on the podcast, man. Me and Scott got this thing going and you guys have just done an absolutely outstanding job with it. Hope you and the family are doing well. Happy to be here talking with you. I appreciate that. That's really nice to hear. 
Like I said earlier in the podcast, this is my favorite day. This is like Christmas for me because you just listened to me talk about my Padres for 25 minutes, and now we get to talk about my favorite team, the team that I've loved since I was four years old, the team that I named one of my dogs after, Chipper, uh, the Atlanta Braves. So I'm super excited. You have two Braves fans talking Braves. What could be better than that, Jake? Hard to beat it, you know, especially with uh, some sad news in Braves country with with Hank Aaron and Don Sutton. And hopefully we can put a smile on some Braves Braves fans faces when we talk about the future of the franchise here. And to be honest, it's very similar to the Padres in that they have these young studs, right? Albies, Acuna and on the Padres, you know, Tatis, um, Machado, they're young. And then they have these guys coming up that are huge ceiling type of guys. And I think there's a lot of parallels between these two organizations. So let's get started. Um, I've been giving people a chance to introduce their organization. So give me an overview on how things are looking and what the future is like down on the farm for the Braves. Yeah, my, just from an overall organizational standpoint, you hit the nail on the head. And I even say it in my intro to the top 50 that – it's hard to argue with some top-tier outfield talent, some catching depth, some uh, near-ready major league potential bullpen arms, and then you couple all that with an extremely young team that came one game away from the World Series last year. Just from an organizational standpoint, there's got to be 27 or 28 other franchises out there that are a little bit jealous of uh, what the Braves got going on here. So a lot of guys at the top that are knocking on the doors and then, uh, you know, a couple of, uh, I guess, more toolsy players down in the lower ranks that are going to be exciting to watch. Absolutely. And we're going to get into those guys. I know who you're referring to, but let's talk about the top. We have two guys and I agree with you if we're talking real life prospects because the things that Christian Pache brings on the diamond defensively are unparalleled right now. But in terms of fantasy goodness, I think Drew Water has a higher ceiling in terms of the speed power combo. But you, and I know you mentioned this in your rankings as well, what was the deciding factor for putting Pache number one over Waters? Yeah, so the the big thing, and you're right, Pache is a very divisive prospect in fantasy terms. And I think that's just because a lot of folks don't really, this might sound silly, know how to scout him because he's so much different of a player now than he was when we first saw him come up, right? So he's coming up and he is just exclusively a stolen base guy, a defensive guy, didn't hit homer for, you know, X amount of years in pro ball. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he's mashing the ball. Now there's there's some holes in the swing, of course, uh, just like a lot of young guys. And there's some concerns with how much he pulls the ball and things like that. The big knock on Pache is the guy's not a very efficient base runner. Stealing bases to me in the minor leagues is a much different animal than stealing bases in the major leagues. A lot of times when these guys have the wheels and they're trying to refine other aspects of their games in the minor leagues, you're not going to see gaudy stolen base numbers. Mm-hmm. So. You're right. I I flipped back and forth, and I did this last year with Drew Waters and Christian Pache, bouncing back and forth. And if I read another list that has Drew Waters 1, I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. Me personally, there's another guy that's just outside Tier 1 who made his Major League debut last year. Ian Anderson will touch on him. Um, Me personally, I have him behind those two outfielders just because – 
I'm looking to add young outfield talent. That's my fantasy, uh, my fantasy strategy, young position player talent, and then uh, go on and get my pitching a little bit later. So it's just a little bit of me not valuing pitching as much as those position players when it comes to Anderson. It's interesting how Pache has transformed himself because I think I'm still stuck on that in that he's going to hit 250 and hit 15 home runs and steal 10 bases but play gold glove defense. But I don't think that's who he is anymore, especially hearing what you're saying and seeing him in the playoffs. I know he was, you know, what were they losing by 35 when he hit the home run? But yeah, yeah. your home run. And that was that hopefully opens people's eyes to him. Alex, I do have a question for you before we move on from these guys. So Drew Waters, it seems like in Braves in Braves country, there's some debate about him staying as a switch hitter. Do you think that's a smart idea for him to continue to, to develop as a switch hitter? You know, I love switch hitters. I always tend to rank them a little bit higher just because they're switch hitters. Uh, it's interesting that you don't hear about switch hitters ditching it too often. And yet we have two players, right? Because there was talk about Albies as well early on. Right. Uh, rid of that <laughs> that right hand or that left-handed swing so um in terms it waters is reversed though correct he's better from the left side than he is correct right. right so you know in that case i'm a, I'm a little bit on board with it because he's going to be left-handed more and then he has the wheels to make you know make it work albies is a guy though you know i wouldn't want to switch if that makes any sense because he's going to be you know struggling with the right-handed side more i would i would feel like so yeah, I think you keep going with it. Um, what do you think their plans are for Waters? Uh, let's touch on him now because there is Ender Inciarte in left field, and that makes me cringe. Uh, <laughs> so if they don't sign anybody, like he's better than Inciarte is right now, don't you think? Yeah, no, I agree 100%. My fear, and this is just speaking from a Braves, Braves fan perspective, is Inciarte is one of Snitker's guys. I don't know how much say Snitker has. So if you're if I'm a betting man and you're asking me who the uh, left fielder is going to be at the end of the season, provided there's no other roster moves before the season starts, I would say it's going to be Enciarte over Waters, of course. But maybe that's just one more year. Maybe 2022, we finally see that Pache Waters Acuna outfield. Absolutely, and that's I think perhaps why they aren't signing a big name guy because you need, you you know, Azuna was just absolutely perfect because he was on that one year deal. But um, I don't know who they go out and get. I I was thinking that maybe they would surprise with the Ben attendee, but alas, this is not a Braves podcast. We should move on. So (laughs) talk about uh, tier two. I was, you know, Ian Anderson's getting a lot of love and and what he did in the big league. So he is in your tier two. Um, How close was he to tier one? Extremely close, but I, I had to talk myself off the ledge. So I've always looked at Anderson as as having the stuff of a number three starter. And to me, that's uh, a consistent number three starter is a, a tier two guy. And I was about to say, hey, this is a future ace of the Braves, Soroka, Freed and, and Anderson. You know, it's going to be a rock star threesome right there. But I had to talk myself off the ledge and say, hey, a lot of these uh, hitters hadn't seen him yet. You know, he only played certain teams he, he didn't face the entire major leagues here so uh i had to pump the brakes a little bit to answer your question extremely close and and a lot of the feedback that i got on twitter was you know anderson's probably going to be the guy who makes the most all-star appearances out of this group to me 
I'm not arguing with anybody who mixes up these top three. I think once we get to my four and five is when uh, when when people really start to debate. Absolutely, that change up really caught me by surprise. I didn't think he had that type of weapon, and yeah. him having that makes him very intriguing moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk then about the more controversial prospects because, like you said, there is a pretty big drop-off after you get out of the top three because you have Brandon Shoemake at number four who, don't get me wrong, I like him, but at number four, not quite the upside you might find there, but um, he, uh, he he's a tier two player for you, huh? Yeah, I just think he's going to hit. And I, I think he's got an all-around game. I don't use the phrase five-tool player because, I mean, I don't think he's going to steal you a bunch of bases and things like that. But I think he does – his mechanics give him enough of a floor. And I tend to rank on floor sometimes because when you play mm-hmm. in leagues as deep as us, Alex, you you got to have guys that are just going to get playing time in some situations. So to me, I think Shoe makes that guy. I think that he's got the skill set to where he's going to be a regular major league player you know, and have a good career. And we're looking back at the end of end of the decade here. And we're like, Hey, Braden Shoemake was a pretty solid fantasy performer this year. So his ranking there is, is, is more based on his floor and his mechanics that he has. And he's going to mm-hmm. contribute to your fantasy team. I, I feel extremely confident that if he stays healthy, he's going to contribute to your fantasy team. Nice. Good to hear about that. Very polished hitter. I think perhaps further along than I had um, anticipated. Let's move on to your tier three, and this will be your uh, prototypical time to talk about your guy, Justile De La Cruz. You convinced me that he is the next Cy Young Award winner for the Braves, so I went out and bought his first Bowman Refractor Auto for like seven bucks or something a few months ago. So uh, go ahead and talk about your guy. Yeah, yeah, I just found out you stole that refractor from me, so I maybe <laughs> need to uh, pump the brakes on how much I'm hyping up De La Cruz. Yeah, no, he's he's been my guy since I saw him in Rome in 2018, and um, I, for me, I think that the reports on De La Cruz as he started moving up through the system were a little bit outdated. So I think that's why I took on uh, being the hype man for De La Cruz so much is because he was just seen as a bullpen arm with a fastball he can't control and a and a little slider to go along with it, but. The guy can put the ball where he wants to now, and, and I, I think more and more people need to get some live looks on him, um, and that changeup's really starting to come along. Interesting, I think, uh, to put him again uh, up above Bryce Wilson, who mm-hmm. just reignited my love for him after his, uh, his playoff start. Um, and then if you trickle down to seven, Alex, we can go back and touch on any of these guys you want to, but I know you guys ran long on the Padres. If we trickle down to seven here, uh, I think, uh, you know, Contreras really stole the hearts of some Braves fans with uh, his short debut last year. But I've long been on the Langoliers train since the day he was drafted there. So that's why he's up there at seven. Yeah, his pop time is just sensational. If you can watch, if you can find videos of him throwing out runners, it's just like, uh, how is that even possible? So I, I totally agree with your assessment of those two. I think um, it's a good one-two combo that once we get out of the Dano and Flowers era, that these guys mm-hmm. would be perfectly great. Um, but yeah, Bryce Wilson, I just had a quick question and then we will move on. You know what? We go along for the Braves just the way it's going to be because they're the Braves and everybody needs to know about them. Um, Bryce Wilson, I was kind of getting worried about and then he went out and had one of the greatest postseason performances that I've seen from a Braves pitcher in my lifetime. Did 
was that enough to boost him to uh, boost him up a little bit? Or are we, we still kind of thinking that Bryce Wilson is more of a four or five starter? So just so people know, you and I, we didn't discuss, you know, any of this before the podcast, but I was of the exact same thought process you were, except I was looking at Bryce Wilson as, as more of a strong bullpen piece, not even necessarily a four or five, which is, you know, guys only 23 years old. I, I can't say that's fair on my part. I think he's, I think that doing that on the biggest stage put him in a position to where he's going to be the next guy up. You know, I don't think it can be Sean Newcomb anymore. Right. Or, or any of those other guys that we've been waiting on to come around for a while. So, you know, it it might be Bryce Wilson who's put himself in that spot. I mean, you know, it it was Tukey for a while. Who's that, that six starter, kind of that spot start guy. And I think that might be Bryce Wilson this year. I thought he had a chance at the rotation until they uh, added the couple of major league arms. Yeah. Him or Kyle Wright moving forward. You got to pick one. Oh, Kyle Wright for me. I think, yeah, yeah. I think Kyle Wright just hasn't quite put it all together yet. And I think if he's got the stuff, if he does, he's going to be slightly better than Will. As a quote fan, Kyle Wright really left a sour taste in my mouth. And Bryce Wilson left me being very impressed, (laughs) to say the least. Yeah, Kyle Wright's one of the guys that can't quit. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. His stuff's great, too. I just, I don't know what's going on with him. Let's go, uh, let's move down a little bit. Um, I was interested in your number 12 ranking of Jesse Franklin, the Wolverine. That's pretty high for a guy that I didn't think had a standout tool. So what was your thinking behind him at number 12? Yeah, maybe another floor guy here. And I, I agree that is a little aggressive. This run of three outfielders, the next two, the two Harrises that go behind him, very different skill sets amongst those three guys. But to me, that's kind of the next crop of, of outfielders that come up. I know people have differing opinions on uh, formerly Trey, now Tyrone Harris. But as far as Franklin goes, uh, I just think he was a guy who hasn't um, – got just looks lately, you know, injuries and seasons being cut short and stuff like that. Uh, we saw a good showcase of him in, in the college games, highest level of, of him just making consistent contact. I, I think the guy's got a great hit tool. He's a really good athlete. I, I think that he's going to be able to take the extra base. And even if it's a gap to gap approach from him, I, I think that he's going to, going to provide, uh, you know, some, some nice numbers there and, and offensively, if you will. So, yeah, yeah, interesting to see. Okay, for the two Harrises, how uh, how can I tell them apart? What is how do I know the difference between these two? Pretty much the only thing that these two guys have in common is that their last name's Harris and they both play the outfield. Uh, <laughs> Trey Harris is a guy who was, uh, you know, you know his story. He was an undrafted free agent uh, when the draft was still forty rounds. Um, from from Missouri. He's actually a Georgia boy himself. I think he's from Powder Springs, but he had to go out and play ball at Missouri. Four years of SEC pedigree. And at a certain point, you've got to ditch a guy's scouting reports from the draft days and say, okay, the dude's mashing the baseball everywhere you put him. And he's a guy that I read a lot about. Um, He's kind of falls into the Jaseel De La Cruz kind of setting there as he was a guy I was trying to hype up and get people to pay attention to after I saw him in in Rome and the guy's a hitting machine and if you read about him and read interviews with him he's he's invested in bettering himself of course physically um, but he also studies the analytics of the game and he studies pitchers and, and he's a huge film guy he's embraced analytics 
made adjustments. You know, there's some some dirty film of him when he gets uh, caught up to new levels and seeing new stuff from pitchers, and he'll bite on sliders and things like that. And then the next at bat, he comes up and he adjusts to it. So that's what I see from Tyrone Harris a lot. Um, again, an, another one of the floor guys, but Michael Harris is he's on the opposite end of the spectrum. This is a guy that we might not ever see, you know, above Double A, but but he's also a guy we might see uh, be in the major leagues for 10 or 12 years. So a lot of um, small samples so far in pro ball, but uh, a lot of athleticism. Um, could have been a pitcher. The Braves liked him as an outfielder. You know, he's got a bat. The ball comes off his bat pretty quick, and then he's pretty quick around the bases too. So um, he's got the louder tools of the two, uh, but a little more risk. If Teron Harris is so smart, how come he signed my Bowman card in black ink? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to blame that on uh, the pen. You know, the yeah. pen ran out or uh, Tops didn't send him the right pen. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll that. <laughs> now there are some blue ones out there. They go for they a are. <laughs> Yeah, it's just interesting. I haven't seen that too much. Okay, great job. But um, let's talk about the guy after those three outfielders. And I don't think we could talk about a top 50 list without mentioning Bryce Ball who was the darling of spring training with immense power. Um, how soon do you think we're going to see Bryce Ball in the big leagues? That's my big question for you. Yeah. So the once the DH comes to the National League, which I think is inevitable, I think that'll speed those things up a little bit. Um, he's He is, a, of course, light tower power guy. But he makes good contact. I mean, he's he's not going to be a guy that, that swings and misses a lot. He's not going to be all power, you know, over the fence or strikeout. He's going to hit the ball hard in play. I'm not saying that he's got the ability to turn a single into a double by any means, but he's going to hit the ball hard regardless. But putting those balls, you know, 450 feet over the fence, that's that's going to be uh, what, what draws a lot of the attention and what has a lot of Braves fans saying, all right, we got the DH now. Let's get Bryce Ball up here. Yeah, that's why I think the number one reason I'm for the DH and the NL. But yeah, he has uh, just en- enormous power. Go watch some of his videos. Yeah, he, and I think he'll move the quick. ball travel. I do yeah. think he'll move quick. I think he's too good for for pitching. I, maybe uh, a little bit of time in in Mississippi and then quick stop in Gwinnett. I think he's just too good for the pitching down here in, in the levels he's been playing at. He's <laughs> just insane numbers he's put up already. Okay, let's go ahead and round out our Tier 3. Um, you have a couple of guys here, Freddie Tarnock, uh, Bryce Ed, uh, Eldler, who got drafted in 2020, uh, Daisbel Hernandez, Casey Kalick. Anybody you want to mention there? I don't know if I'm pronounce, pronouncing Kalich, it looks like. Huh? Yeah, Casey Kalick, I think. Um, but I, I do want to touch on Hernandez. I got a great question on Twitter. Why Hernandez over Huascar Enoa? And I do agree they have some pretty similar skill sets. And Hernandez, I think you know, is around the same age um, as Hernandez, maybe just a little bit younger. But I think you know has already shown us what he's going to be, and I think that's going to be a middle reliever. Uh, we can touch a little more on him. We've seen him a little bit in the big leagues. But to me, Dicebell Hernandez and Casey Kalick here are two guys that have stuff to potentially be seventh, eighth inning guys for the Braves somewhere down the road. Um, and I actually want to. Plug, I did a little quick little two-part series on these two guys here at the end of uh, Tier 3 last year. Um, deep sleeper, promising reliever is what I called it, called it. And so these two guys, I profiled them in, in more depth. And there's a link to that if you go into the top 50 in both of their write-ups. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, 
there is some value there for those relievers. I think that non-closer high, you know, strikeout relievers in dynasty leagues, those things can be glue guys for your staff and, you know, pitching's hard to get that doesn't hurt you. And so these guys don't hurt you when they're striking out three guys a night, you know, and not giving up any runs and getting you a hold and a save here and there. So the way dynasty baseball is trending, you can really find a competitive advantage by getting some high strikeout, low contact, even middle relievers. Of course, late inning relievers are more ideal, but let everybody else chase after the big name starters. You can really find a competitive advantage by getting some of these relievers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, here's what I like to do when we get to tier four, and we'll see how how well you can stick to it. But give me a one sentence at the maximum two sentence summary of these players. We're going to do like a rapid fire uh, list right here. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, let's do Justin Dean. Justin Dean and I. Scott used to do this to me all the time. Just so you know, and and. Let me. Can I preface this before we, we jump into this? I'm a Braves fan. I'm rooting for all these guys. So if something uh, in rapid fire comes off that seems a little um, negative, let me go ahead and apologize in advance for that. Um, Justin Dean, if I had to use one word on him, I would say um, surprising. He, he um, He's kind of like uh, Harris in the sense that he kind of bucked the uh, scouting reports coming out of college. Vaughn Grissom. Uh, exciting. You know, he's he's a big guy, big kid, uh, raw power, speed, uh, you know, a whole lot of speed prowess there. So if he puts it all together, he's going to fly through the system. Yeah, I should make might not stick it short. Yeah. Okay. so Grissom is listed as a shortstop. Justin Dean listed as an outfielder as of now. Let's do uh, pitcher Jeremy Walker. Now, Jeremy Walker's a guy I'm excited about. I think he's going to be I think he's going to be staple in the late innings for the Braves over the next couple of years. Their new international signing, you might have to help me out with the name here, but Ambioros Tavares? Yeah, that's. I think that's close enough. For me, it's um, great news that they finally signed an international player for over a million dollars. I think I'll stick it there because I've only watched a little bit of film on him, and uh, it sounds like he's got fast hands, fast bat, a lot of raw power. Really like the video you posted on your uh, list there. Um, Makai Backstrom? He's like um, Bryce Ball light, I guess. You know, posts a lot of fun videos to follow on social media of him bashing baseballs. Yeah, there it's like the same guy, but a little bit more athletic, I'd say. Um, let's finish off with Spencer Strider. Yeah, probably to me the least exciting of the uh, Braves picks, the, their four picks in last year's draft. But you know, he, he's he's got the fastball and. The other stuff to back it up is just about refining the uh, change-up and curveball. Beautiful. Well done. Really short, concise to the point. I think you give us a good glimpse on some of these guys that you know we don't need to necessarily spend five minutes talking about, but we need people to know about. It's a, it's a fine line we have to cross there. Let's move on to Tier 5. There's a couple of guys here that a few years ago I was really excited about. That is CJ Alexander and Grayson Janista. What mm-hmm. happened to those two? Yeah, so two different stories here. Alexander, he's I think he's just been hurt, to be honest with you. And and when he has been on the field, I think he's been playing through those injuries. But I'm with you. Two guys that I was high on. If you remember a couple years ago, people were talking about trading Austin Riley because we had C.J. Alexander coming up through the ranks, and now it looks good. The Braves held on that one. 
Uh, if you follow Alexander on on social media, the guy is driven and determined, and that's one thing I love about him. Uh, I'm rooting for him every step of the way, but until he starts hitting against high-level pitching, he's going to hang out in Tier 5 for me. And then on Janista, he's, he's, uh, he's been healthy. He's just a guy who hasn't uh, quite put it together yet and a guy that I wasn't ready to jump ship on. Uh, I hope I'm wrong about him. He's big and strong, but uh, he hasn't been able to make consistent contact. And then we have a guy that's kind of the reverse of these two, or if you will, he is the, you know, the three years later version where we're excited about him and he hasn't really done much yet, but that's Steven Paulini, uh, big tools guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Raw, athletic, toolsy guy, a guy I, I knew, I'm not going to, I'm not afraid to admit it. I knew nothing about going into his draft year, but yeah, people either have him, you know, very aggressively ranked or he's being left off a couple lists, but I think everybody kind of agrees that he's got the ability and it's just about getting around good coaching and putting it together on the field. Yeah, he's pretty exciting and fits that mold of these high potential, big toolsy guys that are a ways away, but still very, very interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him maybe grouped up, uh, grouped up there with Michael Harris somewhere down the road. You know, he's definitely yeah. got the ability to do that. To me, it's a, it's a show me situation with him coming out of the cold weather state, and he's got, he's got some things stacked against him, but he's definitely a ball player. Yeah, very nice. Let's go ahead and uh, wrap up the list here. Is there anybody that we haven't gone over that you wanted to highlight? Uh, we've gone over quite a few of my favorite ones, but who's somebody that we skipped over that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I do. I do have a couple. Um, one of them is is Yonzi Moreno, who's an outfielder. He's at number 38. He's actually a guy the Braves picked up uh, last year uh, for 10000 bucks. That's about all they could sign anybody for. But he's uh, he's a big physical teenager i mean the the guy looks like uh he looks like uh he he kind of looks like mckay backstrip standing uh in the box there and especially baseball america's posted some good film of him he hits the ball hard uh and still moves pretty well so it'll be interesting to see if he keeps growing let's see six three two twenty five right now at 18 years old it'll be interesting to see if he loses a step but i don't think that power is going anywhere he's he's a big dude that matches the ball and then if I can point out a couple more, Alex, you don't mind, uh, Riley Unroe, he's, he's an infielder. I think he was a former second-round pick, and he's mashed down there in the Australian Baseball League. Um, 2019 was his first year with the Braves, but he, he might be a guy we see maybe added to the 40-man roster at some point uh, to kind of fill in as a utility infielder. It sounds like he can play all over the diamond um, and then has some pretty good hit tools too. Um, so he might be – forced in tier four if he or sorry tier three if he uh if he cracks that 40-man roster just below him jared johnson i really want folks to keep an eye on jared johnson he had no hype he comes from a small uh, high school in mississippi but uh, he's a big physical kid fastball slider combo another guy with some potential to move up this list wonderful well said an excellent list if i do say so myself uh it's clear that the Braves are going to the World Series this year. I don't think anybody is going to be arguing that. Nope. And if something goes wrong, it definitely they definitely have the farm system to uh, trade all their guys away like my Padres did. So uh, it's a great farm system there. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. I wanted to talk some baseball cards too, but we just don't have the time. So I think we'll do that uh, a little bit later on because I know you're a big card guy too. So um, we'll look for that in the future. 
But um, yeah, Jake, thanks for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, tell the people where to find you and anything else that you would like to plug right now. Yeah, absolutely. At Barry's underscore baseball on Twitter. Uh, I know a lot of the listeners were following me out there. I uh, took a little bit of a six-month hiatus from Twitter. I, you know, it's no secret it was crazy stuff going on out there, and uh, with no minor league baseball going on, I didn't feel like I was missing much. But <clears throat> now we're getting back to the game, so I'm back on Twitter at Barry's underscore baseball, and then I'll have a piece coming out in February highlighting a couple of Braves prospects that didn't quite make the top 50. Absolutely, and look for that for pretty much. Most of our organizations, we're all kind of working on that now that we finished our list. There's going to be guys that are outside of the top 50 that were just, just missed it. So that's some exciting stuff to go through. As we're nearing the end of our top 50 prospects here, we have just a few more teams left. It's been a great journey. We have a lot of content to go over on these podcasts. We're going to be, we're, you know, my goal is to try to get to every pro, uh, every system at some point in the upcoming week. So, um, Jake, appreciate it. We'll have you on again soon, bud. Yeah, Alex, thanks so much. Always enjoy it. All right. Uh, we'll be back to close up the episode right after this. That's going to do it for us here on Futures Focus, a podcast by Prospects1500.com. My name is Alex Sanchez. Special thanks to David Gasper and Jake Barry for joining me on the podcast today. We really do appreciate it. You can follow all of us using Twitter. Check the description for our actual handles. And again, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I do apologize for the length of this episode. It's a little bit longer than we want to go, but these are just two exciting systems, and we really, really like talking about prospects here on the podcast. So hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again for your support. Check out the website. Check out us on Twitter, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you.